Do you mind just doing a quick liner for me? A quick liner? How about if I did a uh, semi-quick liner? It doesn't have to be quick. Oh. Well, you can tell the ladies I'm not into quickies, man. <laughs> <You're wrong. laughs> if you what do you want me to say? Help me out here, Hut. Sure. Uh, hey, this is George Thurgood, and you're listening mm-hmm. to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. Appetite, appetite for distortion. Yeah, so forgive my lisp because I I broke a tooth in a car accident. So yeah. I, I have a temporary, uh, you know, I have one tooth missing kind of right now. But well, that's it. It's appetite, appetite for, it's like appetite for destruction, but it's appetite mm-hmm. for distortion. Appetite for distortion. And anything else to add to that? Just, you know, George it up. Hi, this is George Thorogood, and uh, you're listening to Appetite for Distortion. Uh, by Brando. I listen, Brando, always loved your movies, man. Uh, I've been a big fan of The Godfather. You know, oh, it's Brandon. I knew that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Appetite. <laughs> this, this is George. I was, I was having some fun with you. I, I no, you know it why. is Brando. I, I correct it. It's Brand- is Brando. It's Brandon professionally, but Brando when I'm on the air. I, I know I just leave uh, Brando off when end. you're on the air. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Brandon on the street, Brando on the air. Well, hello, Brando on the air. This this is George Harrison on the air. How about that? <laughs> I'm going to leave this whole part in. You know where you are. Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 342. My name is Brando. Coming up momentarily, Mr. Bad to the Bone himself, Bad. I did not do that to him. George Thurgood, the icon, the legend, George Thurgood comes on the Appetite for Distortion podcast. I'm going to let you know, though, uh, because it successfully went over with my lisp, uh, which you kind of heard at the beginning with the ID. <laughs> we had some fun with that. Uh, but I'm running the tour, actually, if you're familiar with what I do, uh, my re- real radio job for Premier Radio Network. So I'm patching in George Thurgood. He's on the phone. He's actually on Zoom, but it's only audio. Uh, he's using it, using Zoom to patch him through to Detroit, to Nebraska, to all these different states in, you know, to promote his new tour with Sammy Hagar on the circle. And of course, to also talk about the original George Thurgood, his new compilation album. And that is just uh, fantastic. I'm excited. So without further ado, with my list concluded, Mr. George Thurgood. Okay, George, your last interview is actually with me, if that's okay. How are we doing? We're doing great. I should be asking you that. How are you doing? You've been talking for almost two hours. Well, you know, it's, uh, what could I say? This is, this is part of it, isn't it? Part of the job. But it's a part of the job I enjoy, so. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah. As, as one who's, it's, I am enjoy, getting to enjoy you from two different aspects. It's just like a radio person and dealing with you this morning, and you've been so nice, and I'm, beyond honor to speak with you now but for someone who is thankfully going out on tour not just with sammy uh hagar in the circle but by yourself dates well into next year what keeps you motivated is is life on the road still enjoyable for you after all these years more enjoyable than ever um we got better hotels we're accepted by hotels 
uh, 40, 45 years ago, uh, musicians, especially rock musicians, weren't exactly embraced by the institution. But since there's been so much money in it, the hotels are better. The buses are great. Uh, the venues are better. So um, every, everything's better now than it was, as it should be. Um, that's what progress is about. So uh, touring, going on the road, as you call it, um, is much more more comfortable than than when, when we start. I hate to sound like an old fogey, but that's the truth. Um, the buses were always breaking down if you could afford one. Um, some of the hotels were okay. Some of the venues were not very good. Uh, but that's a thing of the past. So uh, I'm very thrilled to have weathered the storm, so to speak. How far back do you and Sammy Hagar go that this tour, because as somebody who has seen you live, we'll talk about that in 2017 later on, but you are so fun live and Sammy is so fun live. How did you, do you remember the first meeting? Uh, I'm assuming many, many years ago. It wasn't that many years ago. We okay. were doing a fest. We were doing a festival with um, Pat Benatar band and uh, Sammy Hagar in Las Vegas. And he, he approached me briefly about how we, we got to hook up someday. And then I saw him again. Another time we were in Las Vegas, it was a group of people together um, in Las Vegas. And, and he came, he was really over the top about this. You got to get together and, 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 and do a tour, do some shows. And then he invited me to be on his television show uh, in Memphis. And I said, man, this guy is like, he's like Lieutenant Columbo of rock and roll. You just will not give up. <laughs> so yeah, I said, all right, you got me. You got me. So th this is more not that I'm not thrilled about it, which I am. Um, this is like a Sammy Hagar uh, uh, project that has come home to roost. Mm. It's, it's interesting that it, it would took you so long to to meet, you know, considering all the the benefits that you do. And I, I can only assume because I'm not a rock star that the, just the other fellow rock stars. I don't know if you meet every Saturday or whatever. You could have met him before. But to take this long. Did he tell you like what it was about you that he was courting you so hard? Like why he he uh, he wanted you so badly to, to tour with you? Did he mention anything specific? Well, Sammy's also a businessman. I think he has his own line of tequila. Yeah. And he, I think he was also thinking about the profits we could make mm. at the concession stand <laughs> ah. during because of one bourbon, one scotch and one beer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, him selling his own brand of tequila. Um, I, I think that was that was part of the uh, interest. Not totally, but, you know, he's a businessman like anybody else. So I think that was part of the incentive. That's pretty smart. That's why I'm not a businessman. And, and he is. I, I love that. For those, because, again, I got to see you finally, because I'm, I don't know if I want to say in the younger side, as I approach 40, I'm 30, I'm going to be 39 in a couple months. Uh, I got to see you at the Paramount on Long Island. And since then, this was 2017, I've said to people that you are, it was one of the most fun shows that I've ever attended. Like I was looking forward to it, but I was blown away. People did not sit down. And is there something that, what is it about the live show again after the decades that you seem to be having so much fun on stage and it's so, it's so infectious. If you can't have fun playing in a rock band for, you know, uh, 1100, 1200 people who have paid good money to come see you perform, if that's not fun, I can't help you, brother. <laughs> I know, exactly. So that's why it was amazing to see you. And I got I to gotta say, one of the best live renditions of Johnny Be Good that I've ever heard. Um, did you ever play? Because as I'm also running your tour, I got to hear you talk a little bit about Chuck Berry on a previous interview. Did, uh, did you, I'm assuming, 
he he heard your version. Did he say, tell you anything about it? Uh, how you played Johnny Be Good? No, he did not. Let me tell you. Let me let me put it to you straight. Every band has played Johnny Be Good. Not, not like <laughs> yeah. you though. Not like you. Well, I'll tell you. You want to hear Johnny Be Good? You hear Johnny Winter's version. Okay. When I heard Johnny Winter do Johnny Be Good, I immediately stopped doing that song after I heard him do it. I mean, he took that song into the stratosphere. Uh, unbelievable what he did with that tune. But but that was Johnny. You know, he did that with every song. Um, but that one especially really caught my ear. And I brought that up to John and I said, and he just calmly said, oh, yeah, I really always loved that song and you know, try, try to do the best I can with it. And I was thinking, it's the, it's the definitive rock and roll riff. It's hard to imagine the world without that riff. It's like trying to imagine the world without television or without cars. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, that, that lick is uh, ingrated in, um, it's not a rock, rock and roll phenomenon. It's a social phenomenon that Chuck Berry created that he um, he heard Johnny Johnson, his piano player, played on the piano, and he put it on the guitar, and you know, and that did it. That just blew the lid off music forever. Well, uh, in one of the live versions I have downloaded, you called it the uh, rock and roll national anthem. So I'll just say, if I can put in a request for you know when you play some New Jersey, New York dates, maybe you put that back in because I know everybody and their mother has covered it. Your version, all these years later, just sticks out in my head and just, you know, it was uh, when you were in, I remember it. You're like, are you with me, St. Louis? It's a, it was obviously a version in St. Louis, and it was just, ah, oh, infectious, just in incredible. Um, well, I when we were doing that, remember something. Johnny Johnson was playing with us that night. Okay. And I, 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 was, I had not played that song in a while, but I had the man himself on the piano in St. Louis. Mm. So that, that was something I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't pass up this golden opportunity uh, to play the Rock and Roll National Anthem written by Chuck Berry with Johnny Johnson on piano in St. Louis. Uh, that, that, that would be like getting a chance to play Day Tripper in, in Liverpool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I had to do that. I mean, it was just, I had no choice. It all makes you know, sense. It was like it was like something inside me that controlled me. Uh, the spirit of that song was more powerful uh, than, than I could I could resist. Incredible. That's very cool to get that story after all these years of listening to that. Um, I wanted because I know you've been here for almost two hours. I only have you for a little bit for my my portion. But the the podcast that I do for it's on iHeartRadio Heart and the Q1043 app. Uh, it's called Appetite for Distortion. We do uh, six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon, if you know the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, so it goes with, with GNR. And maybe you have another story that I'm not aware of. But speaking of all the people that you play with, I, I was just watching some acoustic stuff that you played with Slash a few years ago at a uh, Mighty Met acoustic flashback concert. I'm wondering if you could talk about that and maybe talk about Slash, uh, if it's a friendship, uh, a guitar, as a guitar player, if you could talk about that, please. Um, well, I've I bumped into Slash on, on occasion. He's, you know, he's a, an amazing talent and a, and a, a equally a, a wonderful man. Uh, he, at least he always has been to me. Uh, what he does on the guitar is, you know, there's not many people that I wish I could do. There's not many people that can have a career and use just one word like Prince mm. or Liberace or Madonna. Um, just, and he does that just slash. I said, that's pretty cool. If, if you, you just have that, that's, that's something to work on. I really, uh, 
You couldn't think of a better title for that guy. Um, and I'll give you a good slash story. Uh, we were we were in Europe and then we came back uh, to America and we were playing in Indiana. And of all people, we were playing with Hot Tuna. Mm. And we've been playing festivals in Europe, which Slash was on a couple of those festivals. Now, I bumped into Jack Cassidy and, uh, you know, his partner. And I was asking him to autograph my guitar. And Jack Cassidy said, George, what have you been doing? That's all he said. And I said, well, I've been playing over there in Europe. Out of nowhere, he goes, did you see Slash? (laughs) I went, yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, anyway, Slash is cool, isn't he? Said, yeah, he is pretty cool. I mean, he just assumed that I was doing festivals in Europe playing with Slash. How he knew that, I'll never know. Oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. Uh, the original Thor- George Thurgood is uh, available. It's just a-, a collection of some of your best songs. And I want to know how you went about curating it, because there's a lot of choices with your catalog. How did you go about selecting what you did? Well, I didn't. Um, okay. <laughs> there was only a couple of them that I was, one of them I was adamant about. Um, the rest of them were selected by the record company. Uh, after all, they do own our catalog. So I left it up to them to say, well, you know, they want to sell records, of course. Um, so I, I said, well, you, you guys are in charge. Uh, I've been wanting to do uh, a statement that people will be open-minded that Thurgood has written some songs. Now, mind you, I didn't say I wrote great songs or good ones, but I have written songs, which in the past, you know, I got kind of a rap was, well, he doesn't do any original material, but that just isn't true. Right. Uh, there, a lot of people just aren't aware of them. And uh, this gentleman at Capitol put together this, uh, you know, uh, work, you know, a work of piece of work or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, yeah. So I said, well, you know, it's, it's your choice because I want to put out a, a, all the originals, too. So it was more the, the of Capitals. Um, it was their decision to do it. And they chose most of the songs. OK, great. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of your your catalog. Well, I'm a company man. What do you want? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's Capitol Records. Good enough for the Beatles. It's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one more question I'm going to fit in there just because I, people were excited to hear from you today and I can only get to so many listener questions. Uh, this is from Kane on Twitter. Bad to the Bone has been used in so many different films, right? Do you have a particular film that maybe that you just you love that it's associated with? Maybe Terminator 2? Uh, anything come to mind? Well, you know, the thing about the, the way they used it in Terminator 2, I've not yet seen a lot of the stuff that it was used for. Um, I've, 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 I've witnessed it a little bit, but the way it was used in that movie was, was well thought out because that scene that they play the song is very tongue in cheek. Mm. It's, it's macho tongue in cheek. Um, so it, it provided some, uh, uh, some lightness to this, to the, to the movie. It, when, when Arnold says, Give me your clothes now. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's funny, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, so th- that pleased me that it wasn't used in some in a different direction. Somebody got it because the song is tongue in cheek. Just about everything I do is tongue in cheek. I like so, that. I, it's, it's, you know, and mm-hmm. so the way it, the way it was presented, it pleased me. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely an iconic scene uh, made more iconic because of. Of your music. So George Thurgood, I guess I can't call you George like Slash. Thurgood just seems, I'm not that familiar with you yet. I know I spent an hour with you in overall. I'm, 
George Thurgood. It's still, it still rolls off the tongue. You don't need to have one name. Well, I'm working on that. I've been working on that. How about Thoroughbred? How's that? <laughs> That's what they called me in high school. So Brilliant. I might as well, I might as well, uh, uh, you know, tap into that. You know what I mean? Take advantage of it. Brilliant. Uh, thank you so much. You're an icon. I hope we get to do this again. I thank you, sir. That was so cool. Just another name that's been on this podcast that I never in a million years I would have imagined that I would get to to speak with. And I'll be honest, uh, as I always am, I was kind of warned by some people that, you know, George could be a bit moody, um, you know, because you got to ask him the right questions, kind of like warning me that he may be a difficult guest. He wasn't. Not just in my interview, but the whole hour, you know, I, I listened. He just seemed really fun and uh, just having a, you know, enjoying what he does, enjoying being George Thurgood. So uh, it's a pleasant experience on this podcast. And thanks to all of you for the well wishes. You know, I put it out there on social media and also the last podcast about some of the um, trials and tribulations that I'm going through. So I have a slight lisp, again, to remind you, I had to take out the tooth. I was kind of worried about that if George was going to be on video because if I put in my tooth, my lisp is it's just worse. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to, you know, slash cell C cells by the seesaw. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Um, update: I'm going to get the screw part of the implant in August, I guess, and it might be another couple months after until I get the tooth. So I may not have like you know, I may not speak normally until the fall, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. You're not listening just for me. You're listening to hear uh, rock stars and people tell their six degrees of GNR bacon. That's what you're here for. But in the meantime, because I'm going to continue to do interviews when it makes sense. Again, I'm not going to pass up George Thurgood just, you know, because in case of I'm a little embarrassed because of a lisp, who cares? It's George Thurgood. So there will be interviews like that where I won't pass up regardless of what I'm going through. Uh, but please also, almost every day, if not every day, go to our YouTube channel. I am consistently putting up new clips from old episodes that you may have forgotten about, you know, uh, conversations, uh, compilations. So if you want to be like, hey, I want to hear uh, all the wrestlers that have been on the show. I want to hear Drew McIntyre and Charlotte Flair and CM Punk. Bam, it's right there. I got to update it with Cliff Compton. Uh, I got to update it with that. And also uh, Ava Lawless, who we did the fan obsession with a few episodes ago. Uh, But I also got a compilation of all the current Guns N' Roses members that have been on the show. The Chinese Democracy era. Use Your Illusion era. People that have been on the show. Uh, Other ones that I'm thinking about, so to look forward to. I want to put together uh, former managers. So if you looked, I actually put up a clip. Maybe I'll, I'll use this clip in the compilation, but a different or, or a different one, probably a different one to keep it fresh. But going all the way back to episode 10 with, Vic, with uh, Vicky Hamilton, Guns N' Roses' very first manager. So there is a, uh, a shotgun clip on our YouTube page about her talking, saying, you know what? It may have been because I was a woman. That's why I was let go. So uh, it's It's interesting. They hear her. Um, and we did have her on again, actually, after episode 10, later on. So maybe I'll put up a second clip with Vicki Hamilton. And I'll put in Alan Niven and some Doug Goldstein. So you'll have like a, a former manager's compilation. You know, I also want to do it with kind of like pre-GNR people, like Alan St. Delisa, 
from Shire, Izzy's band before Guns N' Roses, maybe some Hollywood Rose people on there, like Steve Darrow and Chris Weber. Maybe put all of those together. And but again, all of these clips you can find separately on the YouTube channel. But this kind of just you know makes it more fun. It's a longer watch. It kind of gives you a you know a hyper even more of a you know Guns N' Roses theme. But it's like okay, here's a real section of Guns N' Roses history. What 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 part? Of, what what do these interviews teach us? What do we learn? What do we laugh about from these interviews? You know, any any of the stuff that happens on our show. And some other, you know, clips, again, I'll, I'll, to push you over to YouTube in the meantime, because that's how I'm keeping busy as I'm kind of pulling back the reins on doing episodes until I get my mouth fixed. Uh, I put up Art from Everclear, who opened up about his MS uh, diagnosis, um, Matt Sorum, when I interviewed him. I'm hoping to interview him again this year. We'll see. Um... Him talking about the St. Louis riot, uh, Stephen Piercy talking about Eddie Van Halen, uh, a great clip of of Rod Jackson talking about the uh, his audition for Slash the Snake Pit, knowing that Chris Cornell had already auditioned for it. So some really awesome, and it makes me smile putting these things together. You know, the audio and throwing up pictures over it because you know, these are memories. These episodes are memories, and I become you know, like I was a George Thurgood fan. I'm more so now after this interview. There's always like a, a special kind of, I don't know. There's you, at least for me, kind of a bond that happens. You, some sort of that's that's what I want my interviews to be. Instead of yes, no, I want it to be some sort of connection, whether it's ten minutes or whether it's an hour and a half. You know, um, so I'm actually going to put up also soon as I'm recording this, so it might be available as I post this. But I'm going to put up a clip of Jimmy Webb. Uh, and recording this on the second anniversary of Jimmy Webb from uh, I Need More, his passing. And he did an interview with us in studio in 2019 when he had cancer. I had no idea he had cancer when he came in. You know, why would I ask him to do that? But I found out after, and he was happy to do it, obviously. Um, so I, I believe it was his final interview. And just great you know, words to live by and wisdom and inspiration. I mean, his interview, I mean, it's... It means something. It really does. You know, I, I didn't know Jimmy as well as, of course, Slash and the McKagans. Um, you know, I got to meet him once and had a really um, bonding experience in that interview. So it always meant something to me. The only time I went to I Need More was after his passing. You know, shame on me. Um, but it's a nice memory to have, that, that conversation that we had together. We laughed, we cried. It was just fantastic. So, again, that's on the... Uh, YouTube channel. And something else I need to let you guys know, I put it up on our, <laughs> because I'm still, even though my mouth is hurting and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling back, I'm still doing episodes. Now my hand is hurting and I'm doing all this YouTube stuff and working on Doug's book still. So the other day, about a week ago today, uh, my fiance goes to work and I'm, I'm sitting at my little makeshift studio here in Queens, New York. And I hear like a, almost like a balloon air being let out. And I'm like, what is this? I thought the first thing that pops into my head, it's one of my cats maybe uh, jumping on the shower curtain and pulled it down. I, I, I didn't know. I just knew it was like around the corner where the bathroom was, where my bedroom was. Okay. I turn around. I see one of the cats walking away and I see smoke. I'm like, what could have started a fire? Because we don't light, light candles there. If we light candle in the bathroom, you know, after we we uh, we use it, we definitely that's very rare. So I mean, there was nothing lit. 
So I see on the ground what was – it was hanging from a um, – you know, an outlet because there wasn't like a proper shelf there. But I, I hang like my razor in the bathroom, like my electric razor. It's, it works, but it is a uh, cell phone charger. My fiance's cell phone charger had started smoking. Now she thought, she's like, I think this is broken. Let me see if I can charge it, make sure it works. And it was actually plugged in for a couple of days. It just started smoking. And I, I don't know if any of you have been in a situation where there's fire in front of you and you got to react quickly. You know, it's not like this is a situation I've been in many times. So you just want to react quickly. Is this, it landed on the bath mat. So I'm thinking, is this going to engulf the bath mat in flames? Is this going to explode? So I'm thinking in the split second, I'm going to grab it and throw it in the bathtub. Well, I wish I grabbed the, the mat and kind of tossed it in there because I grabbed the charger and I basically, I mean, I didn't go to the hospital, but I believe there's sec- second degree burns. Like, it was that fucking hot. Like, holy shit. So I have some blisters on some fingers. Uh, that whole day, the rest of the day, you know, I'm holding an ice pack. Like, I, I had to hold an ice pack the rest of the day. And if I didn't, it would just start writhing and, and, you know, and seething in pain hours later. Thankfully, you know, much later that night, it, it went away. Because I'm like, how am I going to go to sleep? I guess I have to go to the hospital. Pain went away, ibuprofen, I, you know, uh, did some Instacart, Instacart with some uh, burn cream. And, uh, yeah, I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> I'm a fucking mess. So typing right now, uh, working on Doug's book, which I have, we have more conversations I know to have, but for the most part, the big bulk of it. And so I wrap this up while my hands, my hands are in Band-Aids. Uh, all, all of our conversations are now completely transcribed. And put into, I don't know if I want to call them chapters yet, but sections. And now I'm going through and just uh, putting things together and what goes where. Like, it's really taking shape. And I'm really, it's cool. It's cool. There's still a lot more to do. But again, it's the analogy I've used, uh, what was told to me by Doug Goldstein. Um, It's like eating an elephant. You just got to do one thing at a time. So that's how I'm approaching the book. That's how I'm approaching this uh, tooth implant. (laughs) Just one thing at a time. And, uh, you know, one interview at a time, hopefully it wasn't, uh, hopefully it didn't take you too much out of the moment or maybe I'm just being, thinking about it too much. Let me know to say, Brandon, relax, you know, you're fine or being like, yeah, maybe you should, uh, you know, ride the pine and, and not do interviews for a while. Suffer and succotash, you know, like, you know, maybe you don't like it. Let me know. Let me know. Uh, but again, in the meantime, YouTube, uh, I'll be keeping updated and every day on social media, keeping the conversation going in between the broadcasts like I always do, no matter how consistent the broadcasts are. So twitter.com slash the AFD show at the AFD show is the handle. Uh, Facebook.com slash, um, excuse me, at the AFD podcast is the handle. Uh, we're, we're almost back to where my Twitter was when it was suspended for sharing my own Guns N' Roses videos. Uh, I'm almost back to where I was, which is pretty great. So at the AFD podcast on Twitter, the AFD show is on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. I don't think I'll ever do a TikTok, but plenty of places to reach me and talk about Guns N' Roses in between these episodes. And we'll see what the next interview brings. Uh, I have, I did put it out there actually on social media that this is going to happen when Guns N' Roses start touring, doing shows overseas in the UK and uh, in Europe, I want to do fan reviews 
I can't wait to do fan reviews with you in other countries talking about Guns N' Roses, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I um, I put it out there already. I know a lot of people volunteered. You know, even some big, um, some big, I guess Guns N' Roses fan sites like GNR Pseudo America. Um, that, that's that's really cool. So, if you want to get in on that, because I don't want to have like a giant panel. Yeah, I I found that no more than, including myself, four people in an episode talking at once, and any more than that is just too much. So as if you're going to any of these Guns N' Roses shows this summer and this fall and you want to do a, a review, send me a message and perhaps we can work something out. Okay? So you have that to look forward to. But as far as rock stars and whoever else, I don't know. Let's see. I'm, I'm focusing on the book. I'm focusing on healing. Um, but still, George Thurgood. Yeah, man. And so until next time, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.